Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. Now, uh, in regards to Lent, I thought what I would do to help us out, um, I thought I'd talk about prayer because that's kind of a, um, a huge part when it comes to fasting, when it comes to uh, this season that we're about to dive into. And, and I wanted to talk about prayer, and really I wanted to address one of the, the biggest obstacles to prayer that I think we have, uh, which um, I don't think necessarily that prayer, that the biggest obstacle to prayer is self-discipline. You know, self-discipline. Self-discipline is uh, why you go to the gym or why you don't go to the gym, right? It's why you eat greens or why you don't eat your greens. That's self-discipline. I, I just want to present to you this morning that I believe that the reason why some of us, including myself, some of us don't pray is we have forgotten about its effectiveness. And we have forgotten about just how much good it can actually do. Um, Jesus, if you look through the life of Jesus, you find throughout Scripture, Jesus' life was saturated in prayer. If, you, if I could just show you a few ways that this was, uh, it's in the Luke and in all the Gospels, it shows Jesus praying at his baptism. It shows Jesus um, praying through his temptation. Um, he tells us that uh, Jesus, would, he would often go alone and pray. Um, he promises Peter that he'll pray for him during his hour of trial. Uh, Jesus commands his disciples to pray so they will not fall into temptation. Uh, Jesus' last breath at the hour of his death while hanging on the cross was a word of prayer. Even after Jesus left, um, his disciples, we find in the book of Acts that his disciples were men of prayer. They would pray for uh, elders. They would pray for the mission. They would pray as they would commission uh, people out. They would pray uh, for the sick, and they would pray uh, for healings. And, and constantly in the book of Acts, you find this rhythm of prayer. In fact, every chapter in the book of Acts, you find somebody praying. And the reason why is because prayer for them was a fundamental and I think for us as a church, prayer is not a fundamental, but it's become something just, just supplemental to us. That prayer is just maybe you do a shotgun prayer every now and then. And, and the, the crazy thing is like some of us, we just we forget about the weight that prayer carries. Mainly because we're just not sure if it works or not. Now, if I were to... If I, were to, if I were to teach this um, in, in a classroom setting, uh, I would talk about it in terms of a theological, um, a theological thing that we call the sovereignty of God. Now, the sovereignty of God says that he is in control of all things. Now, I have no issue with that because I'd rather him be in control of all things than me be in control of all things. 
But the problem that I come into when I deal with the topic of the sovereignty of God is if God is so sovereign, if he is indeed in control over all things, then why should I even pray? And that's the conundrum that I find myself in a lot of times. If God is sovereign, if he is in control like scriptures would tell us, then why do I pray? And the Bible would teach the sovereignty of God. The Bible would echo that idea that God is in fact in control of all things at all times. Uh, I'll give you a few scriptures uh, just to help my case um, a little bit. In Psalm 115.3, the Bible says, and it gives us this idea of the sovereignty of God, that our God is in the heavens and on earth, and he does whatever he pleases. Psalm 135, verse 6 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heavens and on earth, in the seas and in all the deeps. In Ephesians chapter 1, which we get a lot of the providential work of God, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, he says, He works all things after the counsel of his own will. In Romans eleven thirty six, 36, it says, from him and through him, to him and to him are all things. In 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6, it says, for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom all things, and we exist through him. Amen. So if I pray, with the idea and the concept that the sovereignty of God is at play here, why should I pray? So does God answer my prayers? Because I think that's where a lot of us are. I think a lot of us ask that question, and that's how we would theologically frame that. But I think a lot of us would ask that question, if I pray, what does it matter? Does, is it even effective if I pray? So here's what we do in that question. We just use prayer as just some kind of supplemental thing. And it's just a secondary to our disciplines of our Christian faith. Prayer is just something that we turn to maybe when somebody asks us to do it. So here's the question that you have to wrestle with. Is God sovereign or does he hear our prayers? And the answer is yes. Amen. The sovereignty of God does not take away and cancel your responsibility, all right? Now, I need you to hear that, okay? The sovereignty of God does not take away and cancel your responsibility as a believer. Luke chapter 11, all right? So if you got your Bible, why don't you, I forgot to tell you, go to Luke chapter 11, all right? That's where we're going to be at. <laughs> Luke 11, I'm going to read verse 1, and I want to show you this. I want to show you not only is God sovereign, but he hears us. And that's going to come into play. And I think this will kind of help us in our prayer life. Because here's what I thought about before going in the sermon. I thought about how can I motivate us into prayer? But what I've learned is if I try to motivate you in prayer, at best that will create some type of self-discipline. And we all know how good we are at self-disciplines. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Nope, you're just done with them. You're like, I've done so poorly with them for the past few years. Why try? So I did want to come into the approach as, as if this is some type of New Year's resolution or, or some kind of self-discipline inside of you. I just wanted to take an approach at Jesus' instructions on prayer 
and how he instructs the people to pray. And it's crazy. Let me go to the text. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Amen. What was that? Oh, Judah. Oh, God help us. I was like, was I the only one that heard that? Was that... Is somebody talking? I just won't respond. That's weird. Verse 1. <laughs> he was praying in a certain place, he being Jesus. See? He's praying. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father. Now, let me stop right here. Because just in case you missed something pretty incredible, that his disciples at this point had seen Jesus perform an incredible amount of miracles. They had seen healings. They had seen just crazy amount. I mean, just things that would blow your minds if you saw. Not only have they seen Jesus perform all these incredible miracles, but they have heard Jesus communicate some of the most profound things that have ever been spoken before. And I love that they didn't ask what I probably would have asked. They didn't ask Jesus, teach me how to perform a miracle. Teach me how to be the best communicator. They didn't ask Jesus, how do we be a better leader, Jesus? Because they understood that the source of his power wasn't in communicating more, The source of his power wasn't in in displaying more miracles. The source of Jesus' power was through prayer. And they got that. And I think a lot of us sometimes we mix the things uh, that we need because a lot of us want to be better. A lot of us want to see miracles. A lot of us would probably be in that scene, in that little circle of people and be like, Jesus, show me. I need to, like, do you, like, rub your hands a certain way? Do you, like, blink a few times? Do you smile? Like, what what is the secret behind the miracles? Like, how many times do you spend in preparation for communicating these incredible messages, Jesus? And they don't do that because they understood that the source of Christ's power was solely in his prayer life. And that's important. Now, look at verse 5. We're going to skip down, and we'll tackle the Lord's Prayer on Wednesday. But I want you to look at verse 5, because you're going to deal with the, the issue that I've presented. So he also said to them, suppose you have, uh, one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friends, now I like the way my translation says this, shameless boldness. He will get up. 
and give him as much as he needs. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the ones who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And I love verse 11. What father among you, other than Matthew Thrower, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? I'd probably be that guy in the crowd going, I did that yesterday, Jesus. Son asked more for fish, and I gave him a snake. Or if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts, to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? There's a couple things that I want to point out in this scripture, and I think would help us in addressing this the conflict of our prayer life, and that why we don't go after the Lord as much as we do. Here's the first thing about pray, prayer and, and how we should pray is that we should pray desperately. That we should pray desperately before the Lord. Now, here's the scene. Uh, this is midnight, and midnight for them is midnight. Not four in the morning, like some of you treat midnight, okay? This is midnight. The scene is, in most people's homes, there was one bedroom, and everybody was in it. I thought I'd have an amen that we ain't there. I mean, you may be there. I don't know. But praise God, we're not there. I mean, I got one of these children in my room right now, but we're, we're, he's going to get out soon, okay? But think about this. But think about this. Think about if you have three kids. First of all, that's awkward. Think about if you had four or five kids. You're in a shared bedroom with them. Can we praise the Lord for our culture just a little bit? Some of you knock it. Some of you are knocking it. Some of you are like, well, I just want the culture that Jesus lived in. All right. Bye. Because I ain't. I'm not sharing my room with my children. Huh. And it's at midnight. So if dad gets up, what's dad got to do? Wake up the two-year-old that just went to sleep, that he fought for 14 hours to get to bed, Okay, so think contextually why this man is saying no at, at this point. Because if he gets up, the whole house is going to wake up. The mom's going to wake up, and y'all know that woman's got to have her sleep. Because if the woman in your house is anything like the woman in my house, if she don't get her sleep, then everybody hates life. She's laughing because she knows it's true, and she wouldn't be ashamed to tell you. On Saturday, there's one thing that's got to be on our schedule, and that's to block out 14 hours from Rena to take an afternoon nap. So we know, we, yeah, we, we know that if the husband wakes up, then everybody's going to wake up, and there's a problem, okay? So that's contextually what's going on. This, But this guy is desperate. He's out of options. This hungry brother, I mean, he's just like, I've got to get some food for him and probably ain't eight in days. And I think one of the things, one of the failures, as particularly as we as Americans, that keeps us from, from our prayers is this desperation. We're just not desperate for God to do something. Here's how I know this, because we 
are a DYI generation. I mean, we've got book of dummies, book for dummies, not book of dummies. I'd be in that book, but (laughs) book for dummies. I've even got one on the Bible. Don't judge me. It's an incredible book. I mean, we've got YouTube, like, like we don't need assistance. Do you know why? Because of our mentality that says, I've got this. And so I treat my prayer life a lot, and I'm just being straight up with you guys. I treat my prayer life like that. The reason why Matthew doesn't pray a lot is because I'll shake my fist in God's face and say, don't worry, I got this. I can handle it. Now, I know some of you are probably judging me, but come on, let's be straight up in here this morning. We all treat our prayer life, and the reason why some of us aren't praying, we just treat it like this. We're just not desperate for God to do something. We're not that guy who's going to go bother after his friend in the middle of the night who's desperate. Do you know, do you know who, who bothers me in the middle of the night with their desperation? My children. Now, you, you've gotten better, son. You're getting older. Thank God. There for a while, my kids... Every, every night, I mean, they wouldn't even knock. They'd just be standing there breathing on me like it's a demon. Y'all, y'all parents, I'm telling y'all what, young people, y'all ain't got kids yet. You will feel a de- demonic force in your house. I'm not kidding. It will sink your heart to your gut. You'll feel like someone's there to kill me. You'll reach for the gun or knife. Don't. It's your child. And they're desperate. I got a one-year-old now that does that. He'll, he'll get up, and I'll hear him stirring around. He'll wake up. He'll like, Dada! <laughs> Mom! Here's what a loving father, that's what he does. Like 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, boy, if you don't sit down and go to sleep. I'm not a loving father is going to go tend to his kid. <laughs> Y'all, I'm trying to be sanctified, but I ain't there yet. But A loving father would go, <laughs> go to your mom. Why do you have to bother me, right? No, that's not what a loving father does. There are few people on this planet can do that to me. Very few people on this planet, if they come by my bed while I'm asleep, can come to me without me calling the police. And those are my children. Not even my wife. I'd be like, baby, just get it up yourself. Like, what is wrong with you? My children. You know why? Because I love them. And I, I mean, I, I love my wife. <laughs> but she's capable. And if she's afraid of the boogeyman, we got a problem, y'all. <sighs> so, so their desperation... Here's, here's why Jesus always would address us to come to the Father like children. Because children have a desperation in them. When they need something, they're going to do whatever it takes. And they don't care if dad is asleep or if mom is asleep. They're going to go in desperation to seek out, to see that their needs are met. 
Now, Jude and Nora, come on, they're, they're getting older, so they're getting a little better at this. But my, my, my one-year-old, he don't care. He doesn't care if he's bothering me from my precious sleep. He doesn't care if I've had a bad day. He doesn't care if I hadn't had any sleep in days. If he needs something, he's going to go desperately before me. And so here is the image that Jesus is trying to present to us in this parable that he gives to his disciples. Be like the children who are going before their father and who are desperate. If I don't get this, dad, I'm going to die. Not only were they desperate, but the Bible says, I like how the CSB has translated this, that they have a shameless boldness about them. Now, that's, that's good, that they have shameless boldness, that our prayers to the Father should be shameless, and they should be full, and they should be bold. Now, he's not comparing, Jesus in this text, in this par- parable here, is not comparing himself to the slumbering friend. It's in contrast that the friend that we approach, he's not asleep. In fact, the friend that we get to approach, he has everything that we need. And so this is what Jesus is comparing us to here. And and not only do we have this shameless boldness, but we're persistent. We're persistent in our prayers. I like this because this isn't the only parable that Jesus uses uh, when it comes to persistency. Um, And again, I I have to go back to children on this one uh, because they're really good at all of these things. But persistently, uh, for my children, if I tell them no, that's just an opportunity for them to uh, begin negotiations. (laughs) I got like 14 million examples of this. I got to narrow it down real quick. So, so. My, my kids, they know what drives me crazy. They know what they, drives their mom crazy. And so they know if something they've got to ask, uh, they've got to weigh out the options and see who's the weak one. <laughs> you know, there's some things that don't bother me, but they bother Marina. And there's, likewise, there's some things that don't bother Marina, but they bother me. And so we had this chair in one of our rooms uh, yesterday, and Marinda's taking a nap. So Jude knew not to go to her because she would have said no, but he came to me about, hey, can I borrow this chair and put it in my room? And I said no because of your mother. But then that was not, Jude didn't take my no for no. He became very annoying about it and persistent about it. Because when I think about the word persistent, I think of the word nag. I think of the word annoying. I look up the word annoying, and there's this little picture of my child, my children, right? And so I said, no. And he's like, but dad, I really need this chair. You know, this other chair is hurting my back. I'm like, bro, you're 12. Get over it. Can I please take the chair? No. Can I, dad? But, but I just, I'll, I'll move it. And then I'll, I'm like, but your mother's going to kill me. And he's like, but dad, come on, please. And I'm like, just get the chair. Just don't tell your mom. Just get the chair. He gets the chair. I got to leave the house. Myrna wakes up. She texts me. Who told him that he can move that chair? And I'm like, text her back. We're like, calm down. It's just a chair. Persistence. Persistence for him 
got him what he wanted, and it got me in trouble. <laughs> I don't think this is exactly how the text is working. Persistence. Again, I've got to draw us back to this idea. When Jesus compares us in these parables, he's comparing you to go to him like little children do. Come to me like one of these. One of these children is what he tells the people that are around him. Why? Because children got boldness right. They got this persistent thing. They got this nagging thing right. So here it is. If we haven't, and this parable gives us this idea that they, even though they didn't get an answer that they wanted, even though that God didn't listen to them or they didn't think he was listening to them, here's what they had, and here's how Jesus will answer our prayers if we are persistently going after them. Just because you don't hear anything and hear the answer that you're looking for, it doesn't mean you've got to stop praying and going after him. Well, my fear is that prayer just doesn't work. It doesn't matter. Keep going after him. Keep nagging him. Keep persistently and boldly going before him. And it doesn't matter what the request is. Because if it matters to you, I can guarantee you it matters to God. And I can give you many examples of people's prayers throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament where their prayers seemed like they just didn't matter. They're just dumb. Just like, why are you even praying? Why is this even in the scriptures? It's trying to communicate something to us that it doesn't matter what it is. Keep going after the Father. Keep persistently nagging Him. And I think for some of us, we don't go before the Lord in our prayer life because we're just not sure if it's going to be effective or not. But here's where the tides are turning on is when Jesus is drawing our attention back to this text and drawing our attention in here. It may not seem like it's effective now, but you continue to go after me. You may think it's an answer that you don't want to hear, but you keep going after me. So is God sovereign and is he in control? Absolutely. And does God hear our prayers? Yes. For those who are persistently, for those who are boldly going after the throne of God, Jesus is drawing us back. Man, be like those annoying children you got. Go to me, run to me. Keep going after me. Keep praying before me. I don't know if you like acronyms, but they kind of help. And this one may seem a little cheesy, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. You're going to feel like you've just stepped foot into an old, um, really weird place. But acronyms, they're annoying, but they work. Here's how it would help you out with your prayer. All right? And you've, you probably went to Sunday school at a young age, and you heard this. It's the acronym for ACTS, A-C-T-S. Anybody remember this? A couple of you? Nobody? Great. Acts, here's how we pray. The A is adoration, right? We go into our prayer, and we just talk about God. That's our agenda. We just talk about how faithful he is. We just talk about our adoration to him, how much we love him. And then C here is for confession, that we're using our prayer, that we're confessing to him. And then T, Thanksgiving, right? 
God, I thank you. Even if you don't feel like you got something to be thankful for, I mean, you got breath in your lungs. You're in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And then the last one is S, and this is supplication, and that's just a fancy word that means that you just go before the Lord with your needs. And it doesn't matter what it is. Like, God cares. And the idea, if, if you're thinking that, well, it's just not going to be effective, I just don't know if God cares about it. Listen, he listens and he cares. That's the point of this parable. <laughs> that he is a God who cares for you. He is a God that listens to you. And even if, even if you have to keep going after him, don't stop. Even if you haven't heard a prayer, even if you haven't seen the healing, even if you haven't seen the salvations in your home, that doesn't mean you stop going after the Lord. I know many of prayers that were answered because people were persistently going after the Lord. And I wonder how many prayers, I wonder how many prayers aren't answered because we're not persistent in our prayers. I wonder how many miracles we don't see or salvations we don't see. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here just because we're not persistently going after the Lord. Amen. Ask, it'll be given to you. Yes. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Amen. Let me tell you how prayer works. So this week, it's just been kind of a, a really crazy week for me and um and, and, you know, we started doing some crazy stuff as a church uh, when we, we, we got this house. We were going to renovate it, and I really felt like the Lord doesn't want us to stop here. I feel like there are other, there, there's going to be other opportunities for us as a church to take on projects like this. Um, and so we, we, have, we have a lot of things that we are envisioning for our church. And so I just began to, to pray uh, over these things, and I just asked God, like, how is this? I don't even, this is impossible, God. Our, our um, cash reservation doesn't sustain us doing anything like this, right? Um, that's a true statement, just in case you're wondering. Um, so, so I just began to ask God, if this is what you're wanting to do, then you, you've got to provide. We have some needs in our church, God. I need you to provide them. Like, I just, I don't know why you would give us a vision for this. And there needs to be provision for it. And so I just began to pray about it and seek the Lord in my time and just ask God, God, just open up doors because I don't know how we're going to do this. So this week, I was meeting with someone and, and they began to just share with me that the Lord had dropped our church on their heart and mind. And they just began to pray and, and the Lord specifically told them, he said, I want you to reach out to Matthew, and I don't know what it looks like, but I want you to support him. And so he, he, he sits me down at this table, and he tells me, he says, Matthew, I don't know why I'm supposed to do this. I just know the Lord told me that my organization has a ton of money, and I'm supposed to support what you're doing down there. Amen. And I was just like, <laughs> say what one more time now? Just so we're clear, can I get this in writing and you sign your name to it? <laughs> Here's what I do know. 
the reason why perhaps that happened is because we prayed, God, we can't do this, but you can. And that joker sat me down at that table and he prayed over me and he prayed and he prayed. Boy, we were there for 20 minutes. This joker was just praying the glory of God down. This Baptist preacher was praying the spirit of God in that place. And then all of a sudden that barbecue joint began to feel more like a Holy Spirit filled room. And just the presence of the Lord just began to meet us there. Here's what I know. If you haven't seen the Lord move in your life, that doesn't mean he's not going to move. Maybe it just means that you just need to be a little bit more persistent. I know I know that maybe drums up a theological conundrum for some of us. Like, well, you tell me this is I don't know. I'm not. I'm not telling you that. God's just after some people who will be persistently after him. What is it that you want to see God do in your life that hasn't happened? And maybe perhaps this morning, God is asking you, as we step into this season of 40 days of prayer and fasting, what is that one thing that you need to go after the Lord about over the next 40 days? For some of you, it carries probably a little bit more emotional weight than just, God, we need financial provision. For, for some of you, it's a healing in your body. For some of you, it may be a restored relationship. For some of you, it's just a life decision that you don't even know what to do. For others, it may be salvation in your home. Can I encourage us this morning that the Father in heaven is a loving dad? I love the way that, that text ends. That, like, how much more would a loving Father give you these things than these evil men give good gifts to their children? What is it that you need to ask the Lord to do in your life and be persistent about your asking? That's the challenge as we enter in this season of Lent. Is it healing? Is it salvation? Is it freedom from something? Is it restoration in an area? Is it emotional healing? Is it just a release of depression and anxiety over your life? What is it that God is wanting you to persistently go after him? Maybe it is financial provision for you. God says, ask me, bother me, bring your request boldly to me, come after me. So let's end our time. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.